The year is 1985. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. year the podcast show where we go through the history of marvel comics from its origins to today i'm debusing founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com i am joined today by someone who up until a few moments ago had not read 1985 comics part one but now i'm certain he has how's it going zach dean good this is i think this is literally this is the beginning of where all this is new for me yeah, I have not read any of these. I read all of 1984, apparently. I knew it was somewhere around here. This was all brand new, and a great way to start out with a bunch of comics that I'm pretty bored by. Oh, uh, across the board? Yeah, okay, so give me... Ta- take a guess. There's there's guess some slander in that favorite... statement. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know. I'm preparing for it. What? Take a guess what stood out to me here as my favorite. <laughs> well, I have to say I'm both hoping and guessing that it's Walt Simonson on Thor. Oh no, it's Obadiah Stain. I I um. th- oh, he was gonna go Iron Man. <laughs> I knew it. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, so today we're talking the comics Marvel published in the year 1985. We go year by year and I guess, you know, if this is your first episode, um you're joining us in 1985, which is not actually a crazy place to join. I have <clears throat> I have pitched that and heard that pitch as a possible just like what year to dive in in Marvel Comics. Uh, the premise mm-hmm. of my Marvel this year when we started this whole thing was I have read all these comics before as the person who put together these curated reading lists, and Zach is the newcomer, relative newcomer. Of course, we had to add the relative because actually he had played along with the My Marvelous Year Club during an earlier iteration up until really this point in time. So you haven't literally, it's not like you've literally read nothing of Marvel since 1985. Obviously, you've kind of mm-hmm. caught up on some of the more very recent stuff, but these mm-hmm. the, we are now entering that like blind spot gap for you i think uh 1985 which, to 2018 is like pretty blind spot like i've probably read you know a little bit here and there but i am there are huge enormous blind spots for me right right like the fact that you've never read a comic with cable gambit um yeah. apocalypse i think right yeah. like uh right to, yeah to well, i mean 90s specifically like i haven't Carnage. read anything yeah almost nothing from like 1990 all the way to like 99 like I've read some Marvel Knights right at the tail end of the '90s, but yeah, but like here yeah, in '85, so we're coming into... up on you know characters like Apocalypse or Mr. Mm-hmm. Sinister or right, and I'm I'm not spoiling anything about specifics of those, but just characters that you know exist that we have not actually mm-hmm. read any comics of. Now, none of that is uh, in these pages. I will. Uh, okay, so you're coming in typically, uh, predictably <laughs> negative. I think. Uh, no, 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 not negative. You said you were bored. bored. That's not. That's yeah, not a positive. Yeah. Well, critique. I mean, I can. I guess so. Uh, no, I mean, it's a little more nuanced than that. I, I think this is this is kind of a year where um, we're going to talk about a lot of comics where I'm like, this might be more the issue that it's just not for me than I can really say this is bad. You know, like I have some what I think are more objective critiques, but I think like subjectively some of this just doesn't work for me because it's just not in my wheelhouse, you know, and like... Well, did you want to um, start with the, the new segment Stern Burns where you uh, get some sick burns in on yeah, Ryder Rogers' Stern? I really fell out of love with Stern. This I mean, year, you know, to be like, fair, like we've read a fair amount of his '80s work, and definitely, mm-hmm. I I think our praise has been middling at best. Like we definitely haven't yeah. been like, oh, this is this is the one. I think we're we're gonna get there. Still, um, I like these Avengers issues of his an awful lot. So, so all right. So if you're joining us, we're talking yeah, today let's... about Doctor Strange, Thor, and then an Avengers Iron Man twosome. Uh, all of the comics that we discuss are included in the show notes. You can find them all listed there. You can also find the complete reading lists uh, over on um, patreon.com slash year, where if you support the show, uh, you can get access to the full reading lists uh, as you know the, the entire spreadsheet. Otherwise, we just publish them 
um, individually in the show notes, or, you know, I send them out a bunch of other places too, like comic book Herald newsletter, or, um, even if you just go to like my you can get an older version of the list without the cool 2020 new updates that mm-hmm. I've been making. Um, okay. So, oh, and I do want to announce too, we do have a, uh, patron special coming up. So next episode is not going to be all patron special, but we have an issue that was recommended and added to the list by oh, yeah. a mm-hmm. patreon.com slash my marvelous year supporter. This is the first of its kind. So we'll talk mm-hmm. about that next Which issue a little that? bit. What's that? What the, what issue is that? That's going to be Marvel fanfare number 29. Ah, okay. That's a 1985 part two. Yeah. Yep. And, and we will always include like what issues are coming up next. So you can read along with yeah, us. You can, you can back us at a like. certain dollar amount. I think it's 40 bucks. Um, on the Patreon to uh, to add in a comic, and let's and let's be clear, that's not a normal backing amount <laughs> that we're seeking. No, no, I mean, um, that's, that's a very that is kind of that level. is exceedingly generous, and uh, we had mm-hmm. someone who uh, was able to do that, so that's yeah, super sure. exciting, and and that is to indicate how protective I am of this list. So far, the uh, the Mom Marvelous Year reading list has been updated by we. I let Zach do one Dean's list. And it took. Oh, and it oh, it went to my head. Ooh, <laughs> and, it? and it's never going to happen again, <laughs> for starters. But it also took us a clean year and a half to get to that point in our relationship, where I felt comfortable mm-hmm. with you doing a dean's list. I, I think it's fair to say, um, mm-hmm. comfortable being again a relative term. Uh, and then we will have our first Patreon special inclusion next week. So, without further ado, let's talk the comics of Marvel 1985. First up, we read Doctor Strange number 68. And then number 70 to 73, these are written by one uh, Roger Stern. We have mm-hmm. art by a variety of contributors here, including uh, Brett Blevins. Zach, I, I've i kind of made this confession before, mm-hmm. and I'm going to make it again. I don't, I, I don't think I like Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about this, uh, I think, in uh, 84 Part 5. Yeah. I think it was something like that. It was recently we talked about this, and we kind of talked about why, like, magic. We were talking about magic, the miniseries with a K. You know, why the magic in that maybe at least holds it back for me. And yeah. the kind of how it removes stakes, dramatic stakes from it by being so vague. Um, yep, this is... Uh, the same thing here. I will say it's not quite so just kind of like vague, wishy-washy magic stuff like with Doctor Strange. It's a little more established what's going on to a degree. The thing is like, I think this really works for you whether or not you read this and you're just like hell yeah, that's cool. Like, if that's your response and that's what you're looking for, you got it. Because this is pretty cool. Like, Yeah, there's cool stuff here for I, sure. Like, the, art, the art's cool. It's pretty creative with its visuals. But then, you know, it's like, do you think that him invoking a bunch of these fantasy names like in and of itself just that aesthetic of him doing that is cool or do you want a little more do you want like like does does Steven saying shields of seraphim protect me just give Mm -hmm. you like chill like goosebumps like in a good way or are you like me where I'm just kind of like oh man I kind of wish I knew who that was you know I like I want a little more context for this like well I feel like I wish wish there was like they do some or they're going to do some of that more but it never really I don't know. It doesn't feel like, like Agamato, like I have Agamato. World, that's world like building. a person, right? Like that's like a wizard of mm-hmm. old or a spirit of old yeah. or whatever. The yeah. And like Ciderac, we've seen some of that stuff, but you know, like, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like that solidly fleshed out to me. I think maybe the other big issue that I was getting reading this is, um, mm-hmm. what's, what's Dr. Strange's deal besides like noble, but good, you know, like strong, yeah. but, uh, willful. Well, that's actually you know, one of like, the things I, I like about these issues in particular is I, this is kind of the problem that Doctor Strange has, like mm-hmm. really since definitely post Stan Steve Strange Tales days um, where he's just like he's just kind of a cameo guy. Like if Doctor mm-hmm. Strange shows up, it's usually in someone else's more interesting comic to make, mm-hmm. you know, to be the oh, there's a magic problem. We'll go to Doctor Strange. And that's that can be a lot of fun. But I think one of the the problems with that is then it's like, well, who is he? when he's not um when spider-man's not swinging into the sanctum sanctorum you know mm-hmm. in uh in spider-man annual number two yeah. or whatever and i, I think sure. that like question he, is somewhat difficult to answer these issues do they split the focus where 168 or 68 rather is focused on the black knight really um mm-hmm. and then issues like 70 through 73 are honestly like a lot more about the dark dimension and clea and umar and i, I think that's actually mm-hmm. to their benefit because that stuff's fairly interesting it kind of builds out these places that have been talked about since, again, those early Stan Steve days from the Silver Age. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, this is a thing where it's just like, if you like this stuff, cool. 
I, I don't like, I, or at least I'm just not that interested in the dark dimension. Like I can't find it in myself to get invested in this and find all that particularly interesting. This made me um, more interested in the dark dimension. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. The, um, the art's great. I'm going to say, especially the beginning, which is by, um, Ooh, the first, first couple issues. So 68 um, by Paul Smith. Smith. Uh, Paul, Paul Smith, Smith and Terry Austin really Inks, who Paul Smith we've mm-hmm. seen doing some really cool uh, and pretty well-regarded Uncanny X-Men of mm-hmm. late as well. And then we Terry get... Austin was doing great coloring in Uncanny X-Men. Like it's yeah. a little rare that I remember a colorer's name and where they pop. Well, up at this he time, he inks uh, John fair, Byrne but... for a good long time. Yeah, yep. as well. Um, and Brett Blevins, I think, does seventy-one or seventy at least. I thought he did seventy-one as two. Let me check. Um, uh, but yes, all the stuff like in the Dark Dimension is great, and it does a really good balance of it's really paying homage to um, Steve Ditko stuff, yeah, while also still feeling modern enough. There's um someone in the Slack is like an enormous Steve Ditko Doctor Strange fan, Zach, so he's what's still the like, Slack? ooh, the Slack. That's a a community of wonderful folk that you can join through our Patreon. It's real nice. Now, what Everyone do people do so on nice. the Twitter? How does that one work, Zach? On the Twitter? I'm just continuing about? a series of grammar questions. Um, no, this Slack is an awesome community where the My Marvelous Year mm-hmm. readers oh, all yeah. so, hang out. So welcoming, so uh, so much fun. I would argue too welcoming. There. there was a stretch there. So you you announce when someone else has joined the Slack, <laughs> and yeah. uh, there was a there was a sequence that I saw where everyone welcomed the newcomer, and uh, and then the next day the welcomes continued. Two mm-hmm. a two day welcome, too many welcomes. I saw that, yeah. Scale it yeah, back, yeah, yeah. slackers. Yeah, I mean, he went running, screaming. He was just like, "This is this is way too friendly, people. <laughs> this is way too much uh, expectation built." Could up. you imagine um, if your Groundhog Day was your first day of work somewhere? So you had to do the introductions and icebreakers. Oh. All oh my gosh, what a hellish Groundhog Day! Uh, oh yeah, so we're talking about Paul Smith's uh, art because it is Doctor Strange Paul Smith. fan. Yeah, um, someone is a Doctor Strange fan, and they post still regularly like some artwork of Doctor Strange, Steve Ditko's Doctor Strange. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in here that is like very, very direct references. There are like just weird blobby floaty things like fangs that are floating disembodied in space. Mm. That um, that creepy creature that's like a temple with four arms. Like all that stuff is directly lifted out of Ditko. Um, it's fun. That's so cool. Um, I'm not even like a big Doctor Strange fan and it's still fun to see those throw um, callbacks. So. Yeah, I do like too the... So we're kind of jumping, uh, jumping basically to like the dark dimension stuff, which is the mm-hmm. the more majority of this run. Um, I really like the development of Clea, you know. So we've seen these sort of uh, damsel in distress type Silver Age romances, like um, like Pepper Potts for Iron Man or Jane Foster for Thor, and uh, Clea. She for a time is Stephen Strange's apprentice where she's learning magic with him at Earth. and But now she has returned to her home. She comes from the Dark Dimension, once ruled by Dormammu, currently in the uh, in the 85 comics we're reading, ruled by his sister, Umar. And uh, now she's kind of developing into a leader of a rebellion and a mm-hmm. potential lord of the Dark Dimension in her own right. I think it's a nice actual progression for this character that I'm definitely growing to like more than I, than I realized I would. Um, I think yeah, Clea say, like, adds a lot are, to this title. I I would say women are getting um, more interesting roles in Doctor Strange, except for there's um, it's like the love interest of Doctor Strange in number sixty eight is treated so Blessing, crappy, right? I can't. I yeah, because she's around name. for a while. Like she comes into the room when Dane is rescued, and she's just like, "Stephen, what's happening?" And he's just like, "Shush." Okay. All right. Well. Like, like he just shushes her and uh, it's just kind of like really like Doctor Strange does seem like the sort who shushes a lot of people though oh yeah yeah that's totally definitely Uh, I mean he does he does mind melt melt a uh, like an army general who's just like well I can't tell you where the secret missiles are Steven and he's just like all right well I'll just pull it out of your brain (laughs) and uh, (laughs) it goes straight for the straight for the temples which fair enough Uh, the guy guy needs the information that he needs oh yeah uh, we Wait, is that was that uh, issue seventy? We didn't talk about yeah. that. That one's a little different. That was my favorite of this bunch, which is there's this story of some other dimension is like yoinking. They're yoinking military munitions from yes. various armies all over Earth and like pulling it into their dimension and trying to like learn how to replicate them and use them for their own purposes. So you know they're taking out tanks and they're re- fitting them onto big like magic rhinos and stuff. All it's pretty fun and it ends with a pretty um, effective sequence, I'd say, where 
Doctor Strange, like they're they're having a big war over a nuclear warhead that this uh, magical race is trying to like figure out how to use, and they right. don't really know what they're dealing with. And Doctor Strange, well, it kind of seems like the nuclear warhead goes off and obliter- obliterates the um, this entire world and like their cities and etc. Um, until it's revealed that Doctor Strange is just putting this thought in this sequence of images in everybody's head, so that they're just like, "Oh, okay, no, no, you can take this back, take yeah. it back to Earth." No, we don't want this anymore. That that really worked for me. Um, I liked that story because I mean, if Doctor Strange is not himself a riveting character, then you really need to be putting him in like interesting situations where he's just like that, you know, kind of like neutral observer or like neutral actor in the middle of a more interesting story um and this is the only one of these that really worked for me on that level well and it does the uh, thing that the doctor strange comics very rarely do which is it has doctor strange intervene in an earth matter um mm -hmm. and it like it's like the military coming to doctor strange is actually a pretty wild inversion of a very familiar comic scene we see that with fantastic four all the time you know we see it in other characters titles but to do that with doctor strange is something that like is actually quite rare that one that they would even know about him but two that they would have a problem that justified a need for for his expertise um you know like uh like woolly mammoth rhinos from another dimension <laughs> stuff like that yeah right, um yeah. so yes I, mean, I, I did and it is fun the generals are like sputtering when they're in there you know like they, they think this is all nonsense. it's all hooey yeah well right and, yeah. and it's, it is a nice it is a nice little like Okay, what is the perspective of Doctor Strange from an outside view? I I think the funny thing is like, like we're definitely fairly like coming in a little bored and a, a little crit critical. Um, all <laughs> these comics have generally interesting ideas. I think like mm -hmm. um sure. like like you said, seventy is like a good or yeah, seventy is a pretty good standalone thing. Seventy one to seventy three is all um you know Clea's rebellion. Uh, in the dark dimension and uh, Doctor Strange with super long hair and a dope goatee and no shirt for most of it which is a really yeah, well, good look for ooh, him like, strike, just strikingly imaginative stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's the um, stuff I mean when you think about the big imagination on display the first thing you think of is Doctor Strange's hair but a little longer well that's usually when people come to me for ideas for characters which happens a lot you know it's just <laughs> <laughs> you mm -hmm. know right happens all the time well when I'm well when I'm workshopping our my mother's your characters I'm just like I got this idea for a character here it is and you're always just like how long's her hair and I'm like I don't know probably three four inches long you know like medium could short we, medium and you're like add an Ooh. inch yeah, and I'm and, like, ah, that's... And answer me this. Were they wearing a shirt and a cape? Lose the shirt. Keep the cape. <laughs> yes. Character right, design is simple. Um, number 68, Doctor Strange number 68 here, is a fairly, I guess, important update for the character of the Black Knight insofar as the character <laughs> of the Black important. Knight can be important. Um, I mean, yeah, he's going right, to be yeah. in the uh, MCU Eternals movie whenever that gets released. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Dane Whitman will have new cultural relevance. The big the big takeaway here is uh Dane's sword, the ebony blade, is uh cursed and is manipulating his personality and if he uses the sword, he gets this like bloodlust essentially. Um and it kind of mm -hmm. warps him into not a person he wants to be. So, there is interesting potential, I think, for stories of like addiction and and the metaphor of I love I have to use this thing because I need it but if I use it I'm a worse person right all the metaphor you can get out of that um you don't get that here but it sets the stage for that no <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> say like night. you're really you're really milking that for uh for something that I did not see yeah but yeah sure no I, I can see how you get that. um all right I think uh that's probably all I I mean I I'm not really like a lot of Doctor Strange, I'm not comfortable coming in and being like, you know what, I think these are bad, boring comics. I'm pretty much on the level of, like, Doctor Strange doesn't work for me almost ever, really, and he does for other people, so I think that's a little bit on me just for, like, this is not my wheelhouse for what I find yeah. interesting. Well, that's what you I'm know? saying right at the front, is, like, at the end of the day, and now hearing you describe it as well, like, we're just not big Doctor Strange comics fans, yeah. and I know those, like, I can tell objectively, these are fairly good. Comics, no, I'd right? say they're some of the better Doctor Strange we've read. Like, if you mm -hmm. like Doctor Strange, this is probably some of the best stuff. Yeah, and I mean, by comparison the, uh, to, like, you know, uh, again, like, I don't know, like, I would say these are better than the Iron Man issues we read, um, just structurally. Um, I think, like, as far as the Avengers issues we read, I definitely like the Avengers stuff more. Um, but, you know, they're, they're on par. So, anywho, let's talk. Uh, next up is Thor. We're reading the Walt Simonson 
written, drawn, um, colored, maybe? No, not colored. Uh, no, written and drawn no. by Simonson. Uh, we got letters yeah, by John he Workman. He does inking, too. Yeah, yeah and uh, this era is obviously pretty incredible. I would highly recommend everybody read every issue of this run if you dig Thor, Simonson, or just good Marvel comics, or just good comics. Uh, hmm. Issues 350... <laughs> don't, don't you start with me. Issue 350 to 353 is the Ragnarok and Roll story. You're not that into Simonson Thor? Really? I'm I'm kind of bummed out. No, this is not really working for me. And that's a disappointment. Like, I came in really high expectations wanting to just, like, yeah. love this. Because I, I really like the Beta Ray Bill stuff initially. Like, that really works for me. I love the new tone he set. And then I liked the uh, the Malakath stuff okay. I had some issues with that, with, like, mm-hmm. the pacing and the storytelling and that. But, like, I still enjoyed that overall. Ragnarok, uh, I, I think there's, like, a lot of issues here. with, <laughs> But there's a lot of issues. So, before you, um, before you do your yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. <laughs> your dreaded thing. Um, let's. So this this run has been building kind of to the story since it began. Uh, we've had the yes, teases yeah. of doom in the background. Well, let me try that again. Mm-hmm. Doom in the background, and uh, Surtur crafting the Twilight Sword, and he Surtur is now kind of through some of Malekith's aid, unleashing the Casket of Ancient Winters back on Earth. He is making a play first on Earth, uh, where you know it seems like the. Um, the demons of Muspelheim are infiltrating, and then he's ultimately making a play for Asgard, where he desires to uh, l- to stick the Twilight Sword in the Eternal Flame and bring mm-hmm. about the official Ragnarok. But it'll have to go through Odin and Thor to do so. I think these comics are awesome. <laughs> they look so good. They're super fun. We bring Beta Ray Bill back to lead like an Earth Strike force. We get an incredible moment when Surtur makes his way to Asgard. First, he has to fight Odin in an all-out brouhaha. First, he has to fight Thor in an all-out brouhaha. Then Odin. Then Loki, one by one. And then that's, the best moment that's of the moment. entire story. They team up. They band together. Odin for Asgard. Ooh. Thor for Midgard. Loki for myself. For myself. So <laughs> that's great. So good. Loki, Loki, Loki stuff was the stuff that, like, really had me uh cheering here like yeah. loki showing up to be the um the foil for like the the surprise twist for why surter's blade you know why he did not win <clears throat> and i love loki as i love loki as i'll i'll help you sabotage asgard and disrupt everything here so that i can be the ruler but if you want to destroy everything no thanks man mm-hmm. what does that help me i love him yeah, as i can't that. rule it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like good. his his mischief does have bounds insofar as his self-interest is concerned. Um, do have mm-hmm. to also call out Simonson's art. Every time he draws Surtur, I'm just like, oh, that that's a shot I got to share. Or like, oh, that's my really? background. I, I kind of thought Surtur looks a little doofy. I think he's I, a little look doofy. doofy. Like, he's got I'm a big, like, wide, big, wide frog mouth. He's a... Uh... He's not. He's not the coolest. Um, he is the coolest. You, uh, Take it back. <laughs> what do you? Th- <laughs> what are you thinking about the? Because um, on this run that we read, Marvel Unlimited is switching back and forth between the new color yeah. and the old. Yeah. And I gotta say, like, I I understand people who just we've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I understand people who are kind of bummed out. They don't have the option of reading the uh, the original coloring like through the whole run. Every time it switched back to the newer coloring, I was just like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> It works so much better for me. Walt Simonson's inking specifically, like, I think the artwork is generally pretty good. Not, like, top tier for me, but I think pretty good. But I think his inking, like, is a little, I don't know, like, a little too much. Like, I think he's a little heavy-handed with the inking. Hmm. Um, And that new coloring and inking, like, really helps the uh, the page kind of, like, spread out and be able to to take it in a little bit easier. Um, Yeah, well, we talked about, I think, exactly this. Like, the first time I read this run... I read it um, through uh, the omnibus that I have of mm-hmm. the whole thing. And this is my first go on Marvel Unlimited. And it is fascinating to alternate. I do think you pitched the idea last time we talked about Simmons and Thor of a toggle in Marvel Unlimited that switched yeah, between I mean, old be, and new coloring. That would be the coolest thing, like the nicest mm-hmm. addition they could great. do that yeah. comic fans would love. Um, I, I am actually with you. I, I think what I said last time was the new coloring. It was sort of the first time where I was like, oh, this looks so... Like, it looks so not of the era because it's so glossy and clean. But now when we flip between <laughs> what it looked like versus what the recoloring did, I respect the hell out of the new recoloring and inking. Uh, it It is a lot easier to read. Really and I think the of, art actually shines um, more 
yeah. in the in the recolored versions kind of I, the way that I and I can say this because I just read an interview with him kind of probably the way Simonson intended to like that's his read on oh what I mean the new he, he does, does he did approve this I would be a little more critical of this because it if it was like posthumous or he was like without his involvement or whatever mm-hmm. right yeah because like, we no, talked he's about like this on board. before where like those recoloring things you know I think the best way to do it is with the most intent to honor the original you know art as much as you can with while saying like we're going to update it with the colors that they probably would have used instead of like putting your yeah. own real spin on it yeah. um but yeah no this was all done with his approval so you know it's good stuff uh, that's all good yeah uh yeah no i think so too i uh i so ton of great moments here i and i'm judging on a curve of like wanting this to be top tier miller daredevil even like the height of claremont x-men for me and it's just not um I think a lot of that is... Do you like Burns' Fantastic Four more? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, um, okay. That's incorrect. Yeah, because I mean, like... <laughs> that was the I wrong don't... answer to that question. Oh, sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm not really I'm not really too interested in going and, like, filling out the rest of this run. Like, I don't think I'm going to go Dang. finish reading the rest Dang. of these. Um, yeah, I... Simmons Slander. Know, like, yeah, I'm having an okay time reading it, but, you know, it's just like... So, the, my Simmons issues son of are... a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Pacing, uh, I think the pacing is a little um, wonky, specifically with trying to have this huge, huge battle, this huge fight with uh, all these parademons. I mean, demons from Muspelheim. Can't call them parademons, um, even though they do come through a doom, through the tube, boom tube. Oh, I mean, I the doom loved, tube. Excuse me. Love that. Like, well, He's a yeah, Kirby head. I, I thought he loves that. New Gods. He's going to do New Gods stuff and uh, an amazing Orion run for DC, you know, 15 years yeah. later. So um, you just have this big sprawling thing. Where, like, um, Surtur is on the Rainbow Bridge. There's all these superhero teams fighting demons on Earth. It's a little too big, and it becomes a little anonymous Ugh. and bloodless to me. Ugh. Like, did you ever really feel like any of these heroes were in danger? I felt the Surtur stuff, for I sure. I like. First off, I don't I need like... to, really. Oh, okay, well, like, I mean... That's not super essential to me. Um, no, I mean, that that's Secret Wars big battles felt more, uh, like... Like somebody might actually get hurt here. <laughs> Or just that I had any idea of what was going on. Like, I had an idea of the the general thrust of, like, what's happening on the ground. Because it was a lot of, like, vision just being like, over there, they need us now. Our, you know, our Earth needs us. Yeah. It's just a lot of, like, heroes pointing and flying through the sky and demons crumbling in the background. In a way that just kind of got me bored. That's what war is, Zach. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean. That's how it goes. It felt like Um, kind of a bad action movie where it was just, like, it's so, you know. The, the camera's cutting so fast that you can't really tell what happens, and so you just become detached from it. I don't think it's that um, helter-skelter. I mean, it's yeah. it's generally giving time to Odin and Asgard and those yeah. players the, 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 and Surtur. So the things that work for me are when it gets zooms in on individual characters. I, I mean, I think my biggest thing that would fix this for me is, like, I kind of feel like he would just need an editor to be like, no, get rid of 20% of these storylines and focus down on some stuff because it feels like it has a slight lack of focus. Nah, me. see, that's I actually do like that about this yeah. whole run. I, I mean, it I'm bounces very bounces between things here, so, so frequently. and But, like, everything it bounces to is when you are keeping up with the run makes sense. Like, the fact that it'll take a page to show Enchantress talking to Lorelai when the when the war is going on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Lorelai, who's given Thor a love potion at this point. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that's yeah, a, I liked, that's I liked a that sequence scene. that you don't need for the context of Ragnarok and Roll, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, again, just filling in these little details and these pieces of what all these characters are doing. It, again, to me, makes Asgard feel like a significantly more lived-in place. Like, the amount of time that's given to Balder, for example, mm-hmm. and, like, his errands, essentially. Um, oh, I like that. I like his scene meaning. with uh, Carnilla going to get yeah. Carnilla, and I like the Lorelai Enchantress thing. That that scene worked for me. There's a collection of scenes here that I really like, and it kind of just feels like overall on a macro scale, this didn't hang together as much as I liked it. Even though I could point to probably a dozen little moments, actually a little bit similar to Secret War, where I'm just like, there's a lot of fun here for me. You know, it's I think it's operating on a higher level than Secret War, but like. In general, like I could say, there's a ton of great small moments here that I like, like um, Surtur smashing the rainbow bridge in the shards of it raining down on yeah. Earth. Yeah, super cool. That's a great moment. Um, I liked, um, I liked Sif and Beta Ray Bill's role in this overall. Yeah, they're um, developing like a, a bit yeah. of a romance, and uh, Bill mm-hmm. is is pushing her, I think, in some in some positive directions to be her own person and. Stand up for what she believes in, and not always go rushing to Thor when, uh, when you know, have that be her first impulse. Um, I like that relationship um, I was, quite a bit. 
bored and thought it was kind of unnecessary, the whole like subplot of that Vietnam vet, I can't remember his name, who was here <laughs> you're, before. You're, going you to, hate Roger Willis. <laughs> yeah, I really do, apparently. Um, I, I like Roger Willis. Going to the North Pole and yeah. uh, putting together the cask of ancient winters with Johnny Storm. Yeah, it just felt kind of like needlessly messy. I mean, for me. um, I like the no. touch of Johnny Storm being the one who has to deal with the Casket of Ancient Winters. I think it's just true. Yeah, a, I mean, a power th- that's level. a that's smart kind of like utilization of his power of just like, well, we need someone to keep it, you know, thought out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean that's that did good. have a role. Like the like Roger Willis closing the casket is what ultimately freed Odin and allowed him to step back in. Mm-hmm. The big takeaway from the end of this battle with Surtur is Odin is able to go giant size, level up, fight Surtur on his own terms, make him drop the sword, and uh, and both Surtur and Odin fall into a chasm. So the well, uh, Thor, Thor, Thor knocks here, him into the Thor and Loki knock him into the chasm. It kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't. Well, that makes it, it sound like they struggling. push their dad down the no, stairs. No, no, I mean, Thor, Odin, Odin asks them to. Um, I love I love the thing in comic books where you kind of lose track of, like, you know, real sense of time. So, like, as people fall... You know, they uh, uh-huh. they get to say, like, a whole speech. So when... Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, God, it literally just popped up and then crashed. Marvel Unlimited just crashed on me. All right, well, never mind. Odin gives a whole speech as he falls, like, Never could a father be more proud of his two sons. I know you'll make me, like, proud as you rule over Asgard together. Unified at last. Two brothers. Like, as he is tumbling off the, the cliff. Um, oh, yeah, that's another thing. Simonson's a little wordy. It's a little wordy for me. <laughs> wordy a little wordy a little wordy oh my goodness yeah, it's a little wordy we're in an uh, era i'm curious of, uh, a, a i'm curious wordy. if there'll be well yes i mean that's true but you know whatever like it's uh <laughs> it's getting better it's getting better here and there yeah i i'm gonna say like i totally recognize i am very alone here in this like i have i i went looking for this i could not find a critical word about simonson's thor so like this is this is kind of a, a very lonely corner over here i'm curious when the club gets to this well, if, it, uh, it should be will... i mean you deserve to be ostracized and, and shunning and your you know yeah maybe, maybe to get stoned yeah <laughs> in whatever form that might take um yeah. i do think it's it is genuinely challenging when you are immersed in comics and particularly marvel comics to a degree to comet this run with a critical eye like it is so mm-hmm. beloved and yeah. and feedback and just like there's always that cultural osmosis thing of like, oh, this is great. <clears throat> Everyone's been telling me it's great. And it's hard to view it from a different perspective, honestly. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. so, you know, there is that thing about like, what is what is my honest assessment versus what is my assessment colored by things I've been told as well? You know, I think that's something yeah. that everybody deals with, with, with certain art. I mean, obviously like you're reading these, some of these fresher, than many, so I, I, you know, I respect that that is where you net it out. Um, I definitely think Simonson has his sense of grandeur. I, I've talked about how much I love the world building, but I do love like his staging and just these those big beats and those big moments hit so well and so effectively. Like the times he chooses to do a splash page of Searcher, or like I mentioned that Odin Loki Thor team up, those moments mm-hmm. hit exceedingly well we see the same thing in the next two issues we read which is thor 361 or yeah 361 and 362 which is the uh the sojourn into hell and most Mm -hmm. famously known at this point for the executioner's last stand um Mm -hmm. he knows how to hit those moments of like the the things people are going to talk about now you know whatever this is um 30 25 35 years later I, i think exceedingly well um plus like there's not a lot more you can want from Thor, I think, and from this world. Like, it's doing all the Thor things. We <laughs> literally just had Searcher trying to generate Ragnarok. I mean, it raises the question, if you're not into it, what are you looking for from Thor? Or are you not looking this for is, Thor? Much like Doctor Strange, where it's like, I, I just don't think I'm that this, into Doctor Strange. Are you towards, that into is Thor? Is this directed to me? Are you talking about me right now? Well, you are. I'm checking the uh, attendance list for the haters of this <laughs> run, and it's just you. So yes, this question's for you. None of none of my complaints about this are story based. So like, I yeah. really like actual plot and world building and like what he's doing with these characters. None of that. Like all that works really well for me. Like I like Thor. Obviously, like I am a big Thor fan, so that's another reason why it's like a. Bummer. You like Silver Age like Thor this. probably more than I did. I have to say too. And I. Ooh, I don't know if I'm ready to say 
I'd prefer Silver Age to this. I don't but, think that's um, crazy. I, I don't think that's completely no, crazy. You know what, I mean, oh, you're saying you prefer a Jack Kirby comic you know to what, a Walt Simons, and you'd probably agree. Mm, no, you know what I would say, though, is like I've read about 40 issues of the Jason Aaron run. I'd like prefer that any day over this, for sure. That, I like, mean, that's not that's not an yeah, unheard of opinion. That, I disagree, but I've, I've heard it. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so like, no, I think everything he's doing story, story wise and world building and building out the myth of Thor in the Marvel universe here is like a plus. It's it's literally just the execution that I have some like qualms with. So yeah, I have no qualms with the executioner. I thought he got a great two issue arc. He has yes. No, his stuff here is really good. Um, And I I love the idea of them going into hell. I like the fight with uh, with Hela here. It's really. Really impactful. Yeah, so Thor and a bunch feels... of Asgardian warriors, they go to H-E-L to mm-hmm. free uh, some humans that wound up there, <laughs> basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Long story short. And um, they also, Thor's also kind of like maybe Odin's here while he's doing this. Um, everybody that he goes there is confronted by a vision of like maybe a deceased ex-love um, or something to sort of, you know, convince them that, uh, you know, hell is Lure safe, them away. Trap yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Siren song kind of thing. And uh, the executioner, Scourge, is kind of, he's working with the Asgardians at this point in post uh, Ragnarok and Roll War. They kind of brought in Enchantress and, and Executioner and most everybody to help him out. And he believes he's been made a fool of by hell. He can not let that stand. So he grabs a couple of machine guns and he holds down the hordes of hell while Thor and allies escape. And I wish I could remember the bridge name, uh, Gajal, Brew. <laughs> <laughs> he holds Pretty, down I mean, Jaller Brew, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a that's a great sequence. I, you know, I mean, something I do love about Simonson is the way that he like feels very grounded in the big mythology of this, mm-hmm. while also like just putting in enough of the like fu- like contradictions between the modern and the mythological here. Weaves in eighties action stuff uh, surprisingly that, well, and it like resonates because he doesn't do it all over the place. So like, you just get that moment of this is ninety nine percent a straight up you know, as guardian heroes going through a mythical land and interacting with mythical beasts and stuff. On and then all of a sudden they yeah. pull out a couple machine guns and they like start mowing down, you know, the soldiers, the armies of hell. Um, it reminds me, I think in when Thor, the dark world came out 2014, um, mm-hmm. I think the elves, as we all remember being led by a strong portrayal of Malekith, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they, uh, they have like laser weapons and like star Wars guns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. this is nonsense. What? They're fighting Asgard with like laser weapons? Oh, but actually gonna... <laughs> when you when you read it in a in a well executed context, it is like, oh yeah, scourge with machine guns. That's I mean Moosepolheim. <laughs> the, the the warriors of Moosepol are just like, here we've got a prefabricated like time space dimension uh portal opener and they like build it yeah. on top of a skyscraper. Yeah. Um yeah. no, I thought you were gonna bring up Dark World where like a bunch of cars go flying into that uh all those portals open up and like cars go flying out into this fantasy world. Just like a fun visual yeah, in that movie. Sure. Um, oh, I mean, Thor: The Dark World's like definitely better than this. Definitely <laughs> than this. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, okay, so um, I do, I do I, like you know, Thor: I, The Dark World a little more than most uh, because oh, really? of yeah. Loki in that movie. I really it, like what. Loki yeah, he's. Does. I mean, he's the redeeming part, and it looks good. It's a prettier movie than the first one. Prettier um, movie than the first one. I'll take you uh, yeah. at your word on that one. I haven't rewatched it, yeah. and I don't plan to. Yeah. No. Um, I liked uh, I liked 361. 362 felt unnecessary because 361 was a really great single issue. Like, get into hell, have a big fight, and then they get out, and it, like, you know, they, they just escape by the skin of their teeth. It's this big victorious moment, and then... 362 is like, yeah, but what if they didn't really get out? And here's a little bit more. And like, yeah, but here's Hela here's again. why you need that is Hella is not gonna let them beat her down, take her cloak, and, and leave. And we do get to we do get to see her uh, her ship built out of the fingernails of the dead. Cool yeah, that's detail. Cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, um, gross, but pretty. We cool. should mention when Thor and Hella uh, straight up fist fight. <laughs> 361. It's a great, which is it's a great also fight awesome. where Thor's like. Let's wrestle, and then he pulls a red hood over his face. Well, which is he like, gets uh, he gets scarred badly in his face, mm-hmm, yeah. which uh, everyone is addressing. So that's gonna be a thing where he's wearing a cool red hood for a while. And Hela also gets her cowl pulled off from her, and she mm-hmm. um and she apparently quite badly needs that to rule hell. So it's a it's a nice one on one wrestling match. Gotta say, it's good. I mean, he just gets like that luchador look really quick, which is uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, luchador Thor. 
Luchathor is definitely something that we need more of, <laughs> I think, in, in all aspects of our lives. And if you don't have 362, you don't get Scourge standing alone at Gajalabru. So, uh, sounds like you're wrong. Oh, does that one happen in that one? Okay, well, that moment. Then, yeah, you're right. That That's in that issue. Okay, well, I guess it's worth it for that moment, because that moment works surprisingly well, considering how little... Uh scourge and executioner like content we've gotten so far i've liked him in the past though like back in silver age him and enchantress are pretty fun they're like a fun duo og masters of evil those two exactly yeah it's like them and baron zemo uh join up like back in the 60s that's that's weird but kind of fun um speaking of weird and kind of fun the opposite of that is the avengers (laughs) 253 and 254 which is uh mundane and not fun no i didn't really like oh my gosh you're the biggest (laughs) negative nancy just yeah, I stop, am, I am especially a this episode. Well, let's. I'm saving the best for last. I'll get. Uh, I'll get positive about Iron Good Man. Good grief! I mean, so 253 to 254 is uh, a sequence that I like to refer to because it's been called this in the trade, uh, Ultimate Vision. And we condense this down. Absolute vision. Absolute vision. We condense this down to two issues. It's written by Roger Stern with uh, your guy Bob Hall penciling, and uh, I really like the you idea. Mean my guy. Uh, Last time we talked about him, you were pretty uh, pretty blah oh, on Bob. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> it's like, I don't remember this guy. I really like the idea of Vision mm-hmm. basically doing Ultron, but altruistically. Like, basically mm-hmm. being yeah. an Avenger mm-hmm. and saying, actually, to make the world better, like, I could just do that if I took over all the computers in the world and mm-hmm. basically just made everyone be better. <laughs> I like that yes. idea yeah. executed here. Um, it reminds me of your other favorite comic, uh, Invincible, and I won't spoil it for people who Invincible. haven't read Invincible far enough, but there's a, what comic a sequence where this idea is played out longer and more effectively, I would say. The Mark Wahlberg football movie? Yeah, yeah, right? Like, when he tries out for the Eagles um, and Dick Vermeil starts crying, there's actually, what you don't see is the robot assistant coach. And then uh, Mark, e. Mark is just like, this stinks, I'm taking over the world through a computer. You'll see. Yeah. And he stomps off the field. Right, right. And then he yeah. he shoots uh, uh, Matt Damon right after that, I think. Blind, blinds an old Vietnamese man. <laughs> <laughs> we're, mixing, we're mixing source material in a way that I, I cannot keep up with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so yeah, I, I yeah, sure, in theory that would interest me i mean i i think maybe what really dragged this down for me because i liked this i was i was on board with this while it was happening like i like the way that vision unveils it the first issue was kind of boring to me because it's just like a lot of setup for this but once vision like unveils his plan and confronts the avengers with it i kind of like the um the way he does that with like he tries to create like holograms of his um his teammates and uh like she hulk and captain marvel and somebody else i can't remember um, Thor's there. like yes yes thor and like yes we agree with vision the vision you know, plan is best <laughs> i actually believe they were there like i did too yeah. truly i was like i think he told them what the real plan is and he's already got these guys on his side so mm-hmm. yeah, kudos yeah, to the rules and then as the avengers are all running around like panicking about this and separating vision appears to like different groups of them dressed up differently i love so like he looks pretty human like handsome human husband vision to scarlet witch he looks like some kind of barbarian monster to hercules right uh that sounds um, right he's got like we should definitely call him. out his sweater game is top notch when he's talking to i think wanda it's short sleeve mm-hmm. sweater vest i believe as well mm. and yeah i mean his outfits are good and then like um i really like he meets up with wonder man and he gets this like real preppy like short shorts and tank top i think oh maybe that's just the like one. hey yeah. yeah you're from california right like yeah, me too man i can relate i mean to be fair that is wonder man's whole deal <laughs> yes it is <laughs> um so i mean what what let this down for me what kind of made this land with a thud is the way that they talk him out of this is just by being like vision the world's too complicated you can't really solve everyone's problems like what are you gonna do about bombs on submarines you idiot and he's just like <laughs> damn it i forgot about the submarines all right i would i give see up. that's what i'm saying though is i like this idea a lot i actually prefer the execution of the story where vision does it <laughs> like that actually pulling that thread all yes. the way through i do think yes. is better it well, does because i'm just like he's kind of right he's just like this is 1985 mm-hmm. and it's just like nuclear tensions are high i mean they're lower than they were you know a couple decades ago but like no, no i mean it's, it's still, still still a huge deal it's obviously still, 
Right, exactly. And like the idea that he would, you know, nuclearly, nuclear, nuclearly. No, you got it. Disarm. <laughs> I got it. Nuclearly disarm. <laughs> disarm the bombs of uh, like the US and the Soviet Union. And the Avengers are just like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. You're just going to make things messier because there's some on submarines and you forgot about those ones, you idiot. And he's just like, damn, I forgot about the submarines. Gosh, I'm such a dummy. I mean, it really such comes down to that. Sometimes. Like, it's yeah. honestly like. The Avengers should really back it on this for just being like, I mean, uh, you know. You well, it is an age-old Justice like, League Avengers idea that will definitely get executed in a, a whole host of fashions. We're going to read a version of this in Squadron Supreme. Watchmen is pretty famous for, like, you know, an- asking some of these questions. Um, mm-hmm. JLA, written by Grant Morrison in the 90s, does a very similar thing in a story called World War III. Um, I think Justice League Unlimited opens with a story like this where it's like, hey, Superman just disabled all the nukes. Now what? And, um... Mm-hmm. I like Vision coming to that conclusion. I like posing the question. I like the idea of him being like, hey, guys, I can do this. This will make the world better. The part that I agree with you on, and I think all that's very interesting. I think it was two pretty good comics. The part that I do disagree on is, yeah, exactly what you're saying. The rationale for talking him down. Because the the real rationale is just like, well, we can't do that because... We don't know what to do with our comic after that. (laughs) Like, like we don't know. We don't actually want to address that. The idea of... You know, like a unilateral decision of disarming all these countries is just going to turn the world against us or like, you know, but it basically boils down to like, hey, you forgot about a bunch of stuff. And he's just like, you're right. I forgot. Well, about I mean, the stuff. I think Wanda maybe asked the question or raises the point like you can you can dislabel disable all these things, but you can't turn off hate in in humans hearts. And essentially, like mm-hmm. they will go and manually override some of this or they will create their own means of destruction or whatever which is like it to me that's like here's another thing to deal with once you've disabled all the bombs (laughs) right yeah i mean like yeah he can't turn off racism with a computer but he could you know remove the human's ability to destroy all civilization yeah he Um, does also have um tangentially a computer fight with quasimodo who i forgot about that because it's very weird i actually kind of like it's very tron like i don't know if tron had come out yet at this point again i think so not in uh not an 80s guy in that i wasn't there but um quasimodo i confused with the gargoyle he was the villain in the first incredible hulk issue i was thinking like oh no way they brought the gargoyle back in a computer (laughs) matrix hell yeah my my buddy the gray gargoyle (laughs) no not the gray one he's a different one um but is but no, this one? is Quasimodo. He's a uh, he's an android or something created by the Mad Thinker. Uh, so different character, and I think he's whatever. He shows up in Silver Surfer at one point. Is all I remember. Um, they fist fight for a while. I, I'm not really sure it matters. <laughs> but it, no, but it happens and it tries space. to do. What does it look? What do yeah. computers look like in 1985? Right, it's got that vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I am. Uh, There's it, um, it did very little for me. You uh, you need to you need to take some excitement pills. I think is what needs to happen I, here. Get yeah, your tea right. up. Your tea is through the floor right now. <laughs> if if you are not like sweating and rocking in place while you're reading Marvel <laughs> comics, you're not doing it right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, t- fair enough that like this batch of comics had me very like. Eh, eh. I mean, I have thoughts about them, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, Bad know, thoughts stand out to me. Um, I do like. Okay, so one. Let's get to Iron Man because. I can sound yeah, why don't you tell bit. us about issue 192? Because I forgot. All right, this to one's read pretty. This. It's pretty bad. Um, I didn't like this either. <laughs> I truly don't remember why this one's here. So okay. what happened? It's uh, so this is the beginning of the beginning of Tony Stark stepping back into the role of being Iron Man. Right, so he comes back, and it's a little unclear at the beginning why he feels he needs to intervene. It's like Jim Rohde is Iron Man right now, and he's in the middle of a fight with a guy named like reverberator or something i can't remember he uses sound waves it's dumb there are um, so many iron man but... villains that sound like sex toys when you when you just hear them <laughs> out of context <laughs> yeah that's true um yeah so he, jim Rody's like tony stark needs to intervene with jim Rody because like while he's fighting the vibrator he's just like oh jim Rody's, you know not in full control someone's gonna get hurt or something it's like it's not particularly clear so he okay. like gets, and remember tony has been out of the armor due to a relapse in his alcoholism for yes like three he feels, years now like a while he feels ready and like res- you know responsible enough like ready to step back into the suit i do like he puts on the gray suit like the original big clunky iron man suit yeah from way back when and it's like very clear he can't stand it 
you know, he does not stand against, or he does not, what's the phrasing I'm trying to, he doesn't stand no, he does a chance not stand against, against. <laughs> against the, uh, the, like, the new suit, Jim Rhodes suit. Uh-huh. It, it, but the thing is, they have this big fight, and it's totally contrived. It's kind of one of these things where, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if Iron Man Superheroes fighting? Fight? Contrived? No. Yeah, right. So Tony's just like, Jim, you have to listen to me. And Jim Rhodes like, you had your chance, you, you stupid old drunk. I'm never going to listen to you again. And starts like <laughs> blasting him. I mean, Rudy it really does Tony feel like. stupid old drunk would be my favorite thing in every comic. He does. I wish I had the, the phrase because he really is just like, you, you, you wine stinking old coot. Like he, he goes off, off on him for no yeah. real reason. And it feels totally like. And then at the end, Tony Stark disables him and is just like, hey, I didn't mean anything by it. And he's like, all right, I'll shake your hand, good yeah, friend. And then it's over. Yeah. They're pals. Um, um, so I guess the point of this issue was to show that, uh, hey, Tony's wearing armor again. And by the yes, time we get yes. to issue 198, we got Tony and Rhodey flying around in Iron Man armor, even though Tony's still using the V1 model so that he can't do too much damage, it yep. would seem. And I liked I liked how uh, Tony was characterized here as like nervous to get back into the suit. Like he's It's not an interesting sure he's time ready. in Tony Stark's life, yeah. for sure, I think, as a character, right? Because he is... He his alcoholism is completely controlling him. Like he he has lost mm-hmm. his business yeah. at this point. Stark Industries, like he's working out of this, you know, kind of small scale little like uh, what would you call it? Like not biodome shop, greenhouse. But, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like weird biodome thing. Um, obviously he's not. He does not trust himself to really be Iron Man anymore. So he's like he's oh, working yeah, back a... to what he's been. It's definitely a a vulnerable version of the character that I think mm-hmm. like definitely if you're coming to this from the MCU is just not something you'd have seen. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, he does not have any, like, you know, cock in his walk. Um, I uh, There's one detail from 192. <laughs> Are you waiting really for me fun. to stop you on that? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just moving okay. along. All right. Uh, is the Jim Rhodes hits him, like, in the suit, I think, like, punches him in the face or something, and it dents um, the, the mask. And Tony Stark's like, ah, my face, it's dented. And he's just like, no, wait. Iron Man's face is dented. I'm not Iron Man. That's what got me into this in the first place is viewing myself as Iron Man. Like, he had a reaction where he had to separate himself from the suit because he, like, so intertwines it in his head, which we haven't seen too much of, but that is a fun idea. I really like an idea of him just becoming, like, this is another crutch for him to the Mm. point where he, uh, you know, feels, like, more comfortable in the suit than without, which is something in Iron Man 3, one of the best MCU movies, period. That, like plays into that in a big way where you know the suit is a security blanket for him like literally he goes to the suit to have his panic attack um in that movie and it's great um so 198 to 200 is really it's uh both tony stark coming to terms with stepping back into the suit like full time and not Mm -hmm. this kind of half you know piecemeal uh thing he's been doing and also the story and like rise of obadiah stain um i was so into obadiah stain and the first, uh, the first villain of the MCU, played by Jeff Bridges, right? Mm-hmm. Got to bring in yeah. good old Obadiah the Iron Monger eventually. Mm-hmm. You, so you yeah. dug. So issue one ninety nine is an Obadiah Stane origin story weaved into mm-hmm. this. You're a fan of the calculating, cold Lex Luthor esque Obadiah. I think uh, a big part of that is the like all the exposition that he gives. <clears throat> like he's uh, he's talking to Madame Mask, I think. Yeah. I don't know why she's here. I don't think that matters. A spurned um, lover of Iron Man wears a cool mask. Those yeah. two reasons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, well, she's there basically to listen, and then she gets disposed of, and she's not actually a part of this. But, um, yeah, she gets stabbed in the neck? <laughs> with a hypodermic it? needle. He he, he drab, drugs her with something. Which, but, um, it, what, a, what, a, what a play to show that the, um, the man is in charge. The man villain is in charge in the relationship other than to lean in for a smooch and then in the process. And she's just like, oh, Obadiah. Yeah, she's totally taken rising. with it. Like, <laughs> and then not only not only is she taken with it, but then he doesn't even want to really be smooching. Her. He actually just wants to stab her in the neck with a hypodermic needle. Mm-hmm. So, so he, everybody he talks look out about for that his... next time you're kissing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. Don't put that in people's head. It's horrifying. Um the uh yeah he talks about his childhood and like his upbringing that kind of led him to be the person he is um he reminds me of you've watched boardwalk empire no should i okay there's a character in that oh yeah it's great um well seasons one two and five are great three and four are fine okay so if that means anything to you (laughs) listener um he uh he's got this like idea about gambling right where he's like yeah i'm a man who takes gambles i learned that from my father but unlike him I only gamble on things I can win, right? Like, I'm going to stack the deck in my favor. Yeah. 
and you know like only make smart gambles oh uh just to not leave that hanging if anyone is a boardwalk empire fan he reminds me of arnold rothstein in that who has a very similar um kind of philosophy so he talks about like his father this uh this gambling drunk comes in one night and it's just like i hit it big i'm on top of the world lady luck isn't gonna let me down now son like we're gonna have everything we ever dreamed of and he's like look how lucky i am i'm gonna play a russian roulette in front of you <laughs> and then he shoots himself in the head in front of his son which is a, a jarring shocking moment like jarring that moment works really jarring. well it would it would um, leave an impression on a youngster yeah and then uh you should shows how like Obadiah Stane as a kid learned chess um, and tried to become like a love, master of chess. I love montages school. of villains learning chess. It's definitely well, I like that like, he's so good. <laughs> you know what's fun about this? Because like I feel like the easy way to, to do this is just like and of course I was the you know supreme chess master of my school and I, be- I beat you know adults uh-huh. you know 20 years older than me, like, immediately, you know, I became yeah. the best ever. And he's just like, no, there was another kid who was better than me in school, so I slid his dog's throat and put it in a locker. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty gross. Like, uh, and it's just like, because I wanted to distract him. He had a chess tournament with me that day, and uh, and I killed his dog and uh, made him, you know, so shook up that he lost the chess tournament. I do like, like that Obadiah is pretty... not just a technical rival, like an evil genius, you know? He's exactly. actually right. just like yeah. a psychopath. Ruthless. Yeah. Oh, he does have a series of henchmen called the Chess Masters, who are all like based on different uh, chess pieces. I have, I've Oops. said it before, and I'll say it again: if you've got a metaphor, take it too far. <laughs> Do it part's, every. That part's so you dumb. Get. I'm glad they weren't a big part of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so all this, like Obadiah, is kidnapping, um, like associates and friends, like Miss Arbogast, Pepper Potts, or Pepper Hogan, rather, uh, Beth McCabe, like all these people who. Tony the Stark old romantic about. flames. Yeah. Um, Including some new yeah. friends who we really haven't seen much of, but they're part of Tony's Biodome Collective. Mm-hmm. And um, and this kind of boils down to Tony needs to embrace putting on the suit and, like, put his anxieties behind him and, like, take, you know, step up. And he makes a new suit that I think is pretty dumb looking. <laughs> this new <laughs> yeah. suit does not work for me. So it uh, builds, to a, it builds to a very Silver Age-style by chapter um, Iron Man number 200. I don't think we mentioned this is all written by Denny O'Neill. I got pencils on oh, yeah, 200 yeah, yeah. by Mark Bright. Great. Um, so 200 is the final confrontation between Iron Monger and Tony Stark with Rhodey, of course, at his side. Um, when Tony, someone dies. <laughs> and I say someone because it's a supporting character that I genuinely can't remember the name of. But it has an yep. impact on uh, on Anthony. And he goes and rushes back to base. He decides, I'm going to become Iron Man again. He puts on his new red and silver armor. Ta-da! New costume change, baby. And uh, I don't love the look of this armor, but it's definitely a, hey, he wore that in the 80s one time um, kind of trivia, you know, thing. And he rushes Mm -hmm. off and has his ultimate final battle with Iron Monger. Iron Monger, of course, loses. And learning the lesson from his father, Obadiah Stane, rather than accept defeat, uh, blast himself in the head with a repulsor ray, and uh, cool. takes that option. Out. <laughs> I mean, he's just—he's got that thing like Red Skull, where he's just like, "Oh, he's really ruthless in a way that like the the heroes don't know how to deal with." It kind of feels like they're still playing in the Silver Age, and he's in the Bronze Age. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I can see that. Which, which I always kind of like when that that happens, unless you take it into like a total grim dark way, which this almost borderlines happens because like there's some orphan child baby that like tony stark is connected to in obadiah State. oh yeah like, obadiah take off your helmet or i'm gonna crush this soft baby yeah between my uh, iron monger hands and yeah, tony that's... picks a big risk by like shutting down the computer <laughs> a huge and he's risk. just like yeah hopefully he'll just drop the baby and not you know like spasm and crush it but it all you know out. as much as i don't like um the, the trope of, like, you know, the villain, they're holding someone hostage and, you know, they're they're going to kill him if you don't do something. And the hero, like, somehow not acquiescing to that threat but taking several other actions, but they're so fast or they're so smart that they outwit the villain. You know what I mean? I feel like that trope gets overused a lot. Um, in this instance, I didn't want to see anything bad happen to that baby. <laughs> I'm more than okay with Tony being like, uh, yeah, I'll take this wild risk and fly away and catch him. Sure, I accept that here. Hmm. Yeah, now all all this worked really well for me. I think Marvel's been on a a pretty good run of these um these like landmark issues. It was Captain America three hundred, Hulk three hundred, like and 300 Iron Man two hundred. Yeah. 
I think all these were have been like good standout moments, like landmark well, moments that really, really excel. Yeah. And the nice thing about 200 is it very clearly sets a course for Iron Man comics where mm-hmm. it's like, here's what the book's going to be now. I think this is one of the things that Incredible Hulk did fairly well too, where it's like, yeah, Hulk's going to be in a, in supernatural dimensions now. That's going to be the run for mm-hmm. a minute. And obviously in Iron Man, you get, hey, Tony's back in the armor and he's wearing new armor. So now we got, um, you know, that situation back, which is, again, a long time coming. Like they have... They've had Rhodey in the armor for a decent amount of time. It kind of gets lost in the in the grand scheme of like Marvel Legacy and you know all these times characters have been transitioning and uprooted and not the quote unquote core version of themselves. You know, like Rhodey mm-hmm. was Iron Man and still is, as far as we know, um, for a, a good run. And we we like have not read Iron Man in a while. Like I think right because I don't remember Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill. This is his thirty second issue, ninety two. Um, so like he's been on it for a while. He yeah, as run big like a forty eight issues, and this is three years into his run. So, yeah, um, as big a name as Denny O'Neill is, I definitely skip over a vast majority of his Marvel work in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, he does yeah. a, a decent amount of Daredevil stuff. Obviously, his Iron Man stuff is probably the longest. Um, but I, I, I so thoroughly just think of him as a Batman guy because of his sure. work with Batman, Adams Green Arrow, and right? as a Batman Isn't editor and or writing Lantern, Batman, right? Green Lantern. Yeah, he does a big Green Lantern run. Does he? I don't think of him as a Green Lantern. Oh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Um, uh, no, I guess one. he. I mean, he did. He did two years of Green Lantern in the eighties, and then like sporadically through the sixties and seventies. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I know. Like when I hear his name, I know him from Batman. Even though I don't think I've read much of his Batman, um, I'd be interested because I really like this. Um, I might. Uh, I might check out more of this. So yeah, this is a my marvelous hero recommendation to read every issue of Iron Man instead of that <laughs> stinky Thor. <laughs> Now I'm sure I'm sure reading all of Thor like, has its pleasures for some I'm sh- people. Oh, wow, wow. Well, you, um, you know right, what? Yeah, I that mean, does it for no us. slander on Simonson because you and I can align on at least uh, Simonson's Ragnarok. We both love that, right? Like, I, uh, the, I really the ongoing, like not the ongoing, but the newer IDW published yeah. series Ragnarok, which takes Asgardian yeah. myth in uh, some different ways. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I it is interesting to me that that you would like that a lot, but not this. I mean, it's not like they're not different. Mm-hmm. Or not from different yeah. eras, so I can I can understand that to a degree, I suppose. Yeah. Next yeah, time, I'll, I'll be curious to read it again. Yeah, yeah next please. time on my Marvel this year, we're going to talk about some Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, we're going to talk Web of Spider-Man series launch, and then we're going to talk Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man. We got a whole <laughs> lot of Spidey. I feel like it's been a long time since we talked just Spidey. Uh, then we got our Marvel Fanfare special, Patreon special, and uh, we're going to talk some John Byrne Fantastic Four. Is this the end of his run no it's not um so that's the part two of 1985 again you can find all those comics written out in the show notes if you like the show you can support us patreon.com slash my marvel this year or you could always go over to itunes and rate and review that does us a, a whole a host of help is the most normal way anybody Ooh, could say that yeah <laughs> that was i mean you landed it I, I was wondering where you're going but you did pretty good i yes please um if you haven't rated us on itunes listen to my voice listener Listen me, Zach, I'd really personally, personally appreciate the review. It's been a while. Um, I think it's been like... It's a good, it's, from the sound of your voice, it has been a while. <laughs> Ooh, it's been a while, listener. Please just give me one of those reviews. It's been too long. And if um, you do leave us a rating and review, we will uh, give you an ASMR um, recording of ourselves um, requesting that review that you already left. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, please. Um, I would really appreciate it. It's always great to see those, and uh, it is always helpful to show for someone looking at the show to the, they don't see that it has stagnated and it hasn't gotten any good reviews in a while. Um, well, and so. it's we're constantly and getting actually, emails at mymorrowthisyear at gmail.com saying, mm, was going to check you guys out, but I'm noticing some stagnation in your reviews. So hey man, it's definitely, like, you know, how it's, I, it doesn't help. That's how I look at podcasts, genuinely, like. I'll, uh, if I'm looking at like, uh, oh, I want a new live play RPG podcast. Here's a bunch of them, and I'm like, ah, oh, this one's got 15 reviews, and no one reviewed it since like it launched, and it's been going for two years. Yeah, kind of, kind of, you know, right or wrong, dismiss that a little bit more. So it does. I, I think it does. The way help. I look for podcasts is I'm like, is this part of the Comic Book Herald network? No, then <laughs> probably not interested. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'd uh, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome, Zach. Uh, music for the show is by Disaster Oh, Peace. wait, no, I have, I have something else to plug. Mm-hmm. Over on Comic Book Herald, I've been the inspiration for a bunch of really good interviews that Dave's been doing. Um, 
head. How are you taking credit for this? Didn't I? I took credit on Facebook for one of these. I don't remember the how. Inspiration. I... The wind. Oh no! Never my mind. Wings. I was I was mixing this up. You did an ice cream man like uh, an article about ice cream man that was okay. inspired by my okay. ambivalence towards that series. That joke. But, I get. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I mix things up, but I'm sure like. I think my just creative spirit and uh, unbridled creativity is infectious, you know, and you spend so much time talking to me. So, your, um, your unbridled positivity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really coming through. Um, yeah. So, uh, no, but Dave has been doing a really interesting series of interviews with creators um, with the perfectly legible name of the series, which is Cree Annotators, which absolutely in no world doesn't sound like you're talking about Crees, like the alien. Yeah. In, yeah. Um, I might, but, maybe uh, I just start spelling it Cree, K-R-E-E dash annotators and just roll with that, even though the pun mm-hmm. doesn't make sense in this. I mean, uh-huh. it's a, it's a mashup of creators and annotators yes. because yeah, yeah. I'm talking to creators uh, kind of working through deep dives and annotating their own work and about mm-hmm. what makes it tick and just these, you know, just like what are for me really fun conversations about comics I love. But the trick is... I'm getting a lot of emails from scrolls, and I gotta say they're bigoted, <laughs> they're racist. I don't enjoy them, uh, but I'm getting Where a lot are of comments saying this looks like a, yeah, they're like this is imbalanced, this is um, this is injustice, and I will not stand for it. And I say fine, turn it into a chair. After and sit what down. happened to our oh, throne oh, world, scroll burn. <laughs> uh, I missed it because I was making my own joke. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, you should be. genuinely sorry. I shouldn't have talked over you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they've been really good. I really I just listened to. Um, his interview with the artist for four kids walk into a bank, Tyler Boss, and that was excellent. Um, it was really good. I, I, uh, I mean, Tyler. Tyler was really good. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was. He's a really interesting guy, yeah. and uh, like he unlocked some stuff for me about uh, Kirby and Ditko, like and the differences between them and their work. Talking about like his work made me realize, you know, how their work differs um, in significant ways. So, very interesting. Um, okay, I think that's it. Thanks for the, the plug. I love it. And uh, yeah, again, you can find all of our stuff over at patreon.com slash this year. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. I'm Dave. You can find me at Compo Carol. He's Zach. You can find him at My Marvelous Year, running the socials and probably yelling at me and making it look like I am yelling at a part of myself. <laughs> I love the. I mean, on Facebook, when I take credit for something, like, hey, you wouldn't have written this except for me. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it looks like Just I'm talking to myself baffling. for a, a majority yep. of people. But here's the thing. They should be listening to the show and they should know. They should know that, so it's on them. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year. Uh